Welcome to Truck Stop Murder and True Crime Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Howard. And thank you for all joining me. Hope everybody's doing well. And if you're a return listener, thank you. If you're a new listener, let me tell you what this show's about. I talk about my OTR truck driver for Prima Express again. I took a three-month hiatus for a while. And I'm back. But I, I, I spend... A lot of time at truck stops, I have to do a 10-hour break every day, so that's kind of like my home. So I talk about the the truck stops I stop at and a murder that happens close by. So if this is something you enjoy, then this is it for you. If you're a traveler and you want to know what these truck stops are like before you get there, like, hey, I'm traveling through that area. You know, I might have to stop at that. They have what food? Oh, yep, there you go. So that's for me. I don't know how entertaining this is for non-truck drivers but hopefully you find inter- at least the murder entertaining but the truck stop is part of it and of course this show does it can get graphic i do have a, a potty mouth as people you know i cuss a lot and the show doesn't revolve murder rape torture and things around a murder so this is your that's your warning so back to the truck stop so the, this truck stop around me right now i'm in my yard in Joliet, illinois but the, the murder happened in Lampeter Township, Pennsylvania. And the truck stop I'm going to cover is Rudder's Farm Market 34. Now, I have not been to this truck stop in a while since the company that I work for does not travel this route very often. It stays up north Pennsylvania. But my other companies that I work with did go through. They were poor versatile where they were more OTR everywhere where this place here has specifics. The places they go to that return a little back to the Chicago area. This is where our main hub's at in Joliet, Illinois. Right down the street from the old Joliet prison. Which, if you do TikTok, I'm, right now it's Gary Howard 6886. But I'm going to change it to sceneries, cemeteries, and sites. Where I'm, I really started going into, where you see me go into cemeteries, different headstones of just unknown people or mainly sceneries of my travels around the United States and sites, different things, murder sites, crime sites, whatever. If something happened at this place and I could get my truck in it, I'm going to be doing a TikTok video of it. Of course, I'm on YouTube as well. If you want to watch, there's no automated, animated videos. But anyhow, let's get back to the truck stop. Rudder's Farm Market. Now, this is one that I've really rarely seen outside of Pennsylvania area. I might be wrong. But I have really researched it to depth of where all the farmer, rudder farms, maybe New York as well. Like the Northeast. Has 66 reviews with a 4.6 rating. So not too bad. It's on Pennsylvania 23. The physical address to this place is 370 West Main Street, Leola, Pennsylvania. Not too far from East Lampeter where I'm, where this crime that I'm about to cover talks, it happened at. So let's see, as of a day ago, they still haven't updated these things. There's a lot of spots as a day ago, of a day ago, 15 spots there. Some people claim that there's, one person claims there's only five spots there. But there's 15 spots, ATM, and overnight, it says overnight parking on. All this information I'm giving you is from Trucker's Path. So if you're a truck driver and you have, you know, you want to know what, where to park, if it's available, try out Trucker's Path. It has all kinds of information on that. So, 
let's go back let's see if you do need at this place fuel it looks like it's kind of expensive everywhere else i've seen it's been under four dollars but here it is four dollars and five cents and def right now is 339 so that's for your truck so i know i know some pickup trucks is actually taking def right now so there you go let's see if you're traveling through this area maybe on truck or car and you decide to stop at this location and you want to get a bite to eat well they have probably have the regular hot dogs and stuff like that as all truck drivers stuff do but they have a baskin robbins there which is ice cream and frozen yogurt which for some reason has a one-star review how can you mess up ice cream but dunkin donuts also probably attached to it with a four-star review and then right by it all these areas all this is from a quarter mile from this truck stop is a funks restaurants american restaurant or foos garden which is a chinese restaurant then there's an italian bakery called la terra bakery and pasta bar so pasta and danishes you can have there and then lastly that was a four part People like the, the bakery, four-star, Chinese food, four-star, and Sharp Shopper. There's a little grocery store that's by there, too, but that's at point two miles. So, But that's it. There's other places if you want to travel over a quarter mile, like half a mile. There's a pizza place, cafe, grocers. So let's see what reviews from Trucker Path people think of this place. A lot of people really like it. Some not going to go, like I said, 4.6 review total food 4.7 parking 4.5 4.3 4.4 now on the general information on this is this says this spot does not allow travelers to park overnight for truckers only but i bet you if you go in there and ask them yeah you might if i stop out there for a while as you see with some of your reviews you will hear that one says good little first one's right off the bat cannibal states says good little truck stop clean and lots of treats here now, Tinabish, that's her name, T-I-N-A, says, worst food ever and pricey. They have five parking spots. Overall, it's a tidy little store, but do yourself a favor and order out, which I will post a picture on my social media of this truck stop, as I always do, like a Google Earth picture of it, and you see that this woman is wrong. There is more than five. And Highway Honey, I guess she posted something about the sign outside but remember i told you about the car she said never mind the previous review guess she deleted it the sign says one hour parking on one side and s that is only if you drop the trailer it's not it's fine for overnight parking looking to do your 10 hour reset it's a nice spot there is some other restaurants and Dunkin' donuts within walking distance it says super clean let's see what big d 33a says one major kivet, great new spot, great location, easy in and out, restaurants, bars, all around, Uber available, strip club, up down the road. There you go. I didn't know that. And in all uppercase, you can only on pay, park, O-N-P-Y, <laughs> park here one hour, and that's if you're a customer, one hour. Truck stops do need to send a message so they'll stop doing this. Well, clearly, he needed to talk with that was two they're both for two hollywood honey and tech her advice and go in and ask they would let him stay and then four star review from c10 r22 a70 great food and workers clean store 
And here's a three-star review from Highway Joy. Staff is polite. The food is great. Ladies' restroom was clean. I asked to be... I asked to be sure if I could stay overnight. The cashier said yes, but the max is 12 hours, so you have to leave at 5 o'clock in the morning. I arrived at 1700 but then said if you have to stay longer, you have to change parking spots. And she says she can't leave. She says I don't have to be stay longer than have to change. I had, don't. She says she don't get it. However, I will stay until 7 and see what they said. And I guarantee you they probably just left her alone. They get too busy. They're not there to run truckers everything else pretty much five star talking about any updates parking parking clean you know nice place so it's a decent place to go to extremely surprised to clean spacious area nice store and fast so yeah well here's one more okay to park food is not cheap and it's not that nasty there is a discount grocery store next door so that was the grocery store but yeah, there you go. There's Rudder Farm. If you find yourself going through there, that's what you eat, and that's what you encounter. But like I said, most people seem to like this place. So I'm, and if I, I don't remember being there. I know I've been there, but most Rudder Farms are not too bad. I enjoy them. Then they're usually clean country style, but I think it's northeast. So, what do I have for you today? Is the case. What I have for you today is is. The murder of Laura Show. Now this episode, this is kind of like I did an episode of Shonda Shear, which I have to, to say this funny story first. There's one girl, as I was on there, I remember seeing on a Dr. Phil show, and I kept talking to my wife. I think there's another show that's similar to the Shonda Shear and this and that, but I can't think of it. But it was her that show. So I was like, what am I talking about? I actually covered that case, and I forgot about her name. I can't even think of her name right now. Blonde haired girl was short hair that I talked about uh, was unimportant with this show right now she was she had nothing to do with Laura's show so let's talk about Laura's show on December 20th 1991 her ma Hazel had gotten a phone from her guidance counselor from the, the high school that she went to says she had to meet her the next day well actually it was the night that would have been the 19th of December she called and so and Laura don't know why she has to go talk to her guys because it does nothing wrong so that early that morning, she had left while Laura was getting ready for school and went there, and she's a patient woman. So she went to the office. The guidance counsel never showed up. She, but, but on the phone, she asked what it was about, but she wouldn't discuss it on the phone. So she didn't know what she was there for, so that's why she maybe it was important. So she, she waited for about 30 minutes. She finally said, I got things to do. I can't. So she went back home where going into the, the – she lived in an apartment complex with her youngest daughter to one daughter Laura that her and her husband had previously had separated divorced so one of the neighbors that lived she they lived on the second floor one of the neighbors below them you know and, you know stopped her before she got in her house and said hey there was a lot of racket going on you know slamming doors and like that and she goes well she's a teenager she's probably listening to music dancing whatever teenager girls do she's probably doing I'm not concerned about it so she goes up there, opens the door, sees all the lights are on, but she don't see Laura. She checked Laura's bathroom first, and this here, that she went in the bedroom, and that's when the, she came upon the horrible sight that no parent wants to see, is her daughter laying in a pool of blood with a rope rack wrapped around her throat, fatally wounded. So she she didn't know her throat, was, what was wounded, but she went and got a knife, pear knife, and cut the throat off. That's so cut her, she didn't know her mom didn't cut her throat cut the rope off her neck 
and that's when she realized the stents of the wounds was severe. So she held her. She went call 911, came back and held her in her arms by her mother. Please, clear, you know, she said that she um, was saying Michelle did it. So yeah, police later recorded that Michelle had received a five-inch gash to the throat, a stab wound that punctured her lung, and another that grazed her spine, several wounds to the head, and a number of defensive wounds. So she was fighting for her life. Hazel Show was, of course, I said she knew she was not home at the tech. She was at the county counselor waiting for, come to find out that was a false color's ruse to get her out. If I said that name right, it was a decoy to get her out. So they made a false statement that she had to, just to get Laura's mom out of the house. So having been dumped by the killers and to go into the high school to speak to a counselor, Cho's mother reported to the police that her daughter had named Lambert as some, Lisa, well, she said Michelle did it. And this is Lisa Michelle Lambert. This is somebody that has been stalking her and giving her whole family a hard time. Cause, so they, they knew right, she knew right away. It's Lisa Michelle Lambert. She's been calling us, pranking us. She's been, we ha- we've been having issues with her for a while. So right away, they, they police arrested Lambert, which, which they found also with her boyfriend, Lawrence Yunkin and Tabitha with Tab- Lambert's friend Tabitha Buck at a local bowling alley that, that late, you know, the next day, later that day, actually. Initial statements from the three claimed that Yunkin had dropped Lambert and Buck off at Show's house where the two girls murdered Show. Yunkin stated that he had not participated in the murder that, and that while he was aware of Lambert and Buck's plan to cut Show's hair off, with now this is the whole plan was that they're gonna go in there as a prank and cut her hair off and him to make her look stupid. But he did provide them with the alibi as well as helping dispose of the evidence. Lambert and Buck would later recant their initial statements with Lambert claiming that the abuse of Yunkin encouraged her to harass and a shell show during this whole time. But his statement was like I said, he said that he dropped the girls off at a certain location, went to the local McDonald's, which was later collaborated by some witnesses waited about 15 20 minutes and ended up going back and he had trouble finding her at first but when he did find her they they had um the knife they had all the items which beforehand michelle lambert actually went with yawkin to a store to buy gloves and a rope and things that was out that they used that day like i said well he he states that it was just a prank but i don't know but yeah let's talk about it. lambert initially Begin her ration show in 1991 after learning that show had briefly dated Yunkin over the summer. Lambert and Yunkin had a previous relationship but had reportedly not been dating during the time Yunkin was dating show. Show Yunkin had gone out on a few dates, probably about 10 days, I think they were together, with show reporting to her mother that Yunkin date raped her. Shortly after his final date with show, Yunkin resumed dating Lambert again, who was pregnant with his child at the time reported to be abusive uh, you know obviously jealous of show you know michelle so lambert proceeded to harass show in various ways such as appearing at show's job and verbally assaulting her witnesses reported lambert had expressed an intent to scare laura then hurt her then slit her throat she, she was making all kinds of threats about this lawrence Yunkin, 20 let's talk about lawrence Yunkin, a 20 year old at the time of the murder Yunkin admitted to driving this is what he said, you know, Lambert and Buck. So he he is talking to the police at the time when he arrested him. 
took he admitted to driving Lambert and Buck to the show's home of the morning murder and taking them from the scene after it occurred, after you know, clean up the evidence and so after his arrest he cooperated with the prosecutors, testified against Lambert Buck at their trial in exchange for listening to this. One year prison. So he told him where all the clothes was at that she was wearing, the Bustang's clothes where the night before where they throw the where the Susquehanna River is where they threw the murder weapon. Where Tabitha at the time remained silent through it all. So she on the advice of her lawyers and because she lawyered up real quick. So on advice of her parents and her lawyers, she did not admit. But Buck admitted it. You know, she did say one thing. She did admit knocking on the show's door when she and Lamar arrived at the home. Said on to her, this is now this is her lawyer speaking, not her. Said on show's legs and prevented her from leaving the room. But I said it was Michelle Lambert who killed her. So as the trial of Lambert began, Buck's attorney filed a petition for their client to be tried as a a juvenile Buck's attorney, a request that is granted would not only take the death penalty off the table, but would could have potentially gotten Buck released as little as four years. Buck requested was filed in early July 1992. By the end of the month, her defense team withdrew it. Exchange, in exchange, prosecutors gave her the intent to seek the death penalty against her. But Buck's trial moved to Easton, so they were trying to get the death penalty on her. But yeah, Buck's trial moved to Easton. The state Supreme Court moved Buck's trial out of Lancaster to Easton, to a different Lehigh County. There's so much press involved around this, she would never got, you know, cited the intense media coverage of the crime uh, it had received. So then October 1st, 1992, Buck, after an eight-day trial, Buck is found guilty of second-degree murder by the Lehigh County jury. We deliberated for about three hours were deliberated. Reports of the trial indicated that the jurors, prosecutors, and even Show's mother weren't sure whether if Lambert or Buck who fatally shot stabbed Show. They knew one of the girls did, but they weren't for sure. Believed that both Buck and Lambert participated in the crime. So what happened about Buck was sent to be gone with you, young lady. Life in prison without parole. Her of course her attorneys immediately applied for a you know, appeal the verdict, beginning the appeals process later lasted three years ultimately uh, ultimately of course i'm having a hard time to speak already but then again this is actually you know, i'm gonna say this is actually about the third time i've tried to record in this i i think what helped me is a i need a co-host a reliable co-host that i could because it's easier i could tell these stories i tell these stories to my wife all the time and it's no problem but here i'm just sitting there staring at a screen talking loud if anybody has any advice so i could prove this I am always willing. I mean, give me negative feedback about this. You know, any feedback is feedback. I watched a, where Peter Chris was actually, some dude tried to say he was Peter Chris. And the original Peter Chris talked to Gene Simmons, and his Gene Simmons said, Don't worry about it. He said, There is no such thing as bad publicity. All publicity is bad. And the same thing goes here. I will take all criticism. Now I've gotten some criticism that's ridiculous. That, but if it's if you want to criticize me, at least have a way you I could fix it. Don't just say you sound like a babbling fool or whatever. Tell me, well, this is what you're doing wrong, and maybe you should try this. And no, I'm not. If you come at me with stop podcasting, I'm just going to delete it. No, I'm, that's nothing. My wife enjoys my podcasts, and I come to the conclusion 
This is for you, Desra. I created all this for my lovely wife, Desra Glover. Love you. Ultimately, let's back to the story. Ultimately, all these were denied. So Lambert Buck and Yoking was each trialed for the murder of Laura Show. Yoking agreed to testify against Lambert, saying that she and Buck had slit Show's throat after the two had punctured one of the, the Show's lungs. A pair, a pair of sweatpants had been worn during the crime, were entered in evidence by the prosecution as Show's blood was present on them. Another exhibit was a letter from Lambert to Yunkin, in which Lambert states, I know I'm not an angel, but Lawrence... I never ha got mad enough to kill her. So this was all going on the trial of Lisa Michelle Lambert. So she was saying, first, Lambert was convicted July 20th, 1992, of first-degree murder and criminal conspiracy in the death of show. Buck was convicted of similar charges, and both women were sentenced to, you two be gone with you, you two young lady. Go join your friend and life in prison without the possibility of parole. So Lambert was initially incarcerated, but what was she saying? She said that her initial defense was that when they went in there, her, she just wanted to scare her, and that's when they knocked on the door, and that's when Tabitha went crazy and was stabbing her. Now, if you watch, I got a lot of this information I got from Dateline. There's a show on Dateline about this hour, a lot of information where they actually interview her. And I'm going to say she don't seem like a, she's a very beautiful woman. I'll say that. But she don't seem like she's very intelligent. She don't seem like she's with it, you know, on her interviews. But you be the judge of that. But, yeah, Lambert initially incarcerated at the Cameron Springs State Correctional Institution while Buck was sent to Musi State Correctional Institute. Youngkin received a lesser sentence of his testimony. He was granted parole in 2003. But determined but you say well 2003 that's longer than you know the 92 when it happened but when the, Michelle had wrote Yonkin a 29 which I looked all over I can't find this I want to know what all the questions are some of them were you think if I did the crime I would get a lesser sentence he said yes he said all kinds of stuff about it but determined that Yonkin had committed perjury during his testimony and his plea deal was withdrawn he said screw you asshole you know, he tried, he was, then he was tried and convicted of third degree murder and received, you asshole, be gone with you, sir, 10 to 20 years in prison, term in nine, from 92. He served 12 years in prison before being paroled. Yes, in 2004, on his third attempt to parole, though. So, so he's out, and the two girls are still in at this moment. Lawrence Junkin is, where is he at now? And, Tell you what, I'm gonna, he's he's still around that you know in the same bowling alley. So if anybody living there and want to go come go fuck off, or maybe no, I'm better not because I get in trouble if I ask you to do something. I'm not you just leave him alone. Do what you think is right. Read between lines. Now freed from prison, living in an area, he has become a good bowler and on Facebook, 302 friends on Facebook. So why has said that she reads rece she receives occasional restitution as mrs she remarried by the way i'll get into her story uh, laura's mom remarried that's why her last name is whitehead she receives you know restitution payment from so he owes he was ordered to pay twelve thousand which he still owes seven thousand so 1992 lammer appealed her 92 conviction and in 97 appeared before a court federal 
judge for rights of habeas corpus. If you don't know what habeas corpus is, and I actually learned this, I've always knew something that was some kind of appeal process, but I didn't know what type it was. But habeas corpus is when you go to a federal judge where you exhausted all your state means saying you are wrongfully convicted, and the judge will look over, look at it, and see what it is. And then he'll decide if he wants to take it or not. And what I've learned on this case is a lot of times, if it's you're found guilty on fact, they usually will not. The fact is that you, you're holding, you, the gun's on your possession, your DNA's there, her DNA's on you, and there's all kinds of facts that you did it. A lot of times they'll just say, don't waste our time with this mess. But if it's, you know, found guilty of law, like, and you can prove that, you know, the police overexerted their authority by entering your house without proper cause, without search warrant, stuff like that, you could use that, and maybe you might get appealed. So she wrote a letter stating all this information, how she was wrongly convicted, everything. So U.S. District Judge Stuart Dalzell presided over. She got the letter and he sent it to a lawyer where she, he actually presided over the trial. Lambert's lawyer claimed that there were several inconsistencies from the evidence and testimony given in early trial, that Lambert was innocent. Lambert claimed that she had been framed by the Lancaster police in order to keep her from coming forward with charges that they had gang raped her. Let me tell you right now, this woman says everybody rapes her. That's the thing, her lies, and the way she manipulates people, it's just, I think that's what really got her convicted. She said three police officers had gang raped her, even though, well, I'll get to that. So evidence provided to retrial included the sweatpants entered in an I-2 trial proceeding, was well as correspondence between Young and Lambert to 29 questions. According to Zell, there was at least 25 inconsistencies in which the prosecutors and police had bungled the case, like <laughs> improperly cleaning, dealing with evidence and witnesses, entering prejured testimony, and so on, among the problems that he cited. There was like 200 pieces of evidence the prosecution did not admit, and 60 items. Prosecutors first turned over to the defense the edited soundless tape of the crime investigation. Only when the defense finally obtained a full copy, copy did the defense learn that it showed the police had found the bag in which Michelle said she had thrown Butch's bloody shoes in. The collection of photos that the investigators shared with the defense omitted those that showed blood spatter patterns and footprints that corroborated with Michelle's story. So they're just keeping everything. And that's what she's saying. They're doing it on purpose to keep her, put her in jail so she don't knock out these police officers who had raped her. Bloody speckled sweatpants was supposedly worn by Michelle during the murder and produced in the trial seemed to have been replaced with another larger and bloodless pair in the hearing with Judge Denzel. A defense expert in forensic pathology and as had shocked the defense lawyers by agreeing that the prosecution also during the 92, I forgot to mention this, during the night, too, they said that there was no way Laura could have said her name because she had a really deep cut through her, by her, on her throat where she would not have been able to talk. So lawyers agreed with the prosecutors that it was possible that Laurie had been able to name her killer despite the extent of her throat wound, so he said he could do it. It turned out regularly testified for Lancaster prosecution, that's his name, and making more and more money doing so and been interviewed by them inappropriately. New experts, Rainville consulted, insisted that Laura's severe carotid artery 
would have made it impossible for her to speak. So that is a big thing. Did she say, Laura? Some people say that there's no way she could have. Some, you know, the, the, the was pretty much the defense is saying that she there's the possibility. They got her expert said that she could have said Lisa Michelle Lambert's name, well, Michelle, and the defense said there's no way. So it was kind of back and forth. However, the U.S. Attorney's Office and State Supreme Court did not uncover prosecutorial misconduct, so they didn't find nothing. And Zell's decision provoked outrage in Lancaster County. And during this time, he also, you know, her mother, um, Laura Show's mother said she actually probably saw, she she thinks she saw them there. And other witnesses that was held back, that they seen Buck, you know, Lawrence Yalkin at the place. But um, Philadelphia, so in Philadelphia and across the country, acknowledging holes that damaged the case and one thing pronouncing innocent and forbidden so yeah they found her innocent he just threw away the initial guilty and pronounced it innocent and forbidden retrial in the site critics call this an example of active judge setting a dangerous proceed that wondered my notes are crazy they wondered how denzel could be so easily swayed by this manipulative dangerous young woman and how he could rapidly brush away some of the strongest evidence in favor of Michelle's guilt her co-inspirators which was I said Tabitha and Lawrence so he overturned the murder conviction April 15 1997 signed the prosecutorial misconduct it had resulted in incorrect ruling then also barred the state of Pennsylvania from retrying Lambert, Denzel's ruling was late, and this is where I'm going to get that. And you think it's over. She actually, they set her free. You guys are bumbling idiots. Y'all don't know what you're doing. You screwed this whole thing up from start to finish. Set this woman free. So, yeah. But you think that's it. And on the video, you think, well, and of course, it don't end here either. But, yeah, Denzel's ruling was later overturned. By something I learned too on this. I learned a few things on this thing, and there's a few firsts on this episode that I'll get to. On January 1980, a federal appeals panel that stated Lambert had not yet exhausted her appeals in the state court, and Lambert had, was taken back to prison. So 10 days, she was out there partying, have a good time, but she didn't step go through all the process that the state, you know, requires you to do on an appeal. She should skip. It'll be like when I was in the army. I go straight to the president. I skip the sergeant major and everybody. It don't work that way. You have to go through different appeals, which I was somewhat aware of, but I didn't know it was a mandatory thing that you have to go through. So, what I did was I first I try to look it up and see what you had to go through. But lots every state's different. But Pennsylvania court structures all structure is stated that. All of all Pennsylvania's courts are part of the ununified judicial system of Pennsylvania. There are three basic levels to the Pennsylvania court, minor courts, courts of common pleas, statewide intermediate appeals court, which are called Commonwealth Court, and the Supreme Superior Court and Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. Exercises all authorities over all courts. That's um unite the here's the unified judicial system homepage presents simple diagram here which I'm going to go over the Supreme Court open Supreme Court I'm going to get these confused the Supreme and Superior Court Court Supreme Court of Pennsylvania is the ultimate authority 
on matters brought before the lower court brought before the lower courts. The court hears direct appeals from lower courts. <laughs> Why am I saying that crazy? Lower courts decisions and answers requests for an intervention of lower court proceedings. Now you have the intermediate appellate courts. There are two statewide statewide appellate courts in Pennsylvania, the Supreme Court and the Commonwealth Court. The Superior Court handles appeals in criminal and civil cases of the courts of common pleas. The Commonwealth Court handles original civil actions brought by and against the Commonwealth and appeals from state agencies decision. Courts of common pleas is going to like higher to lower. Courts of common pleas are trial courts. We hear appeals in cases from minor courts. Such cases before courts of common pleas are heard by juries and some are heard by the judge. By the way, I did not state this when um, Buck went to court. She, did, she waived. Both girls waived the jury. They went straight judge. So minor courts, where does this all happen? First, my, Pennsylvania. Well, I don't know if this is considered Miles murder. But it's probably the lowest level where they first go to. Pennsylvania's minor courts are the mag magistratal district courts and the Philadelphia Municipal Court and special problem-solving courts throughout the state. Minor courts addresses rather serious crimes cases go to the Court of Commons, pleas, preliminary hearings, and setting bail, exempt the murder or voluntary manslaughter causes, and decides minor cases. So. Go what I'm hearing is you go through minor courts, you know, the the state, you know, the appeals court where the common courts were, that's where, but either way, she did not do all this stuff. She wrote a letter too. So it was still going through the appeals part of the state, but she did not, she wrote a letter. And so they said it should never have been there. So after Denzel ruling was overturned by the federal court system, Debated whether to keep Lambert and Gerald or withhold Denzel, you know, withhold, uphold Lambert's verdict. So that's where I was, my computer went off on me. <laughs> the appeal for the hearing, let me, sorry, I'm not going to re edit that out. Like I tell people, what I do is what you get, and what you, if you don't like it, then I guess you can get. But uh, because I don't edit, I really don't have time to do that. I wish I'd had time to do this full time. But yeah, after ruling was over, Lambert filed for an appeal. A hearing over the second overturning the verdict was denied. In February 1998, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court returned the case of Lancaster County court system, stating that Lambert must first take up her claims there. The third trial took place in May 1998 with a federal appeals court temporary free. And like I said, he was on free in Lambert under belief that she could win the case. Judge Lawrence F. Sagal oversaw the trial, which was the first judge that I believe was the first judge who found her guilty in the first place. Various witnesses were called to testify against Lambert, including a detective that had overseen the 1991 murder case as well as Lambert's accomplice. And this is when Buck actually first really started opening up. She was really never vocal before until now. Detective so the detective's testimony denied allegation to evidence that had been tampered. They said, no, that was. Lambert, now this is when she changes her story again. She's constantly changed. You see, this is the thing with her is, I don't know why, but she has constantly changed her stories about what happened. First time she said she just went to scare him. Second time she said Tabitha did it. Now Lambert testified that Yunkin was participating in the murders. Choking Shaw, she also stated that she had attempted to help 
defend Charlotte Laura against the other two assault, the other two perpetrators, and that she had tried to pull the victim out of the apartment, try to pull Lori out of that. Evidence from the 97 retrial was presented again. The defense argued that Lambert had not participated in the act, that she had been sent out of the room by Youngkin, and that Youngkin had unquestionably obeyed Youngkin's orders to, to, to be due to battered woman syndrome. Because a lot of people say he was very abusive to her, which I don't know. I know going by what happened with, you know, with Laura, I kind of, maybe I believe that. But yeah, previous boyfriend Lambert confirmed that he had witnessed Junkin yank, you know, yank Lambert into a room, at which point Yankin began yelling at her. Also testified that he seen a police officer who matched one of the descriptions Lambert gave of the allegation of rapes, given a threatening glare at a local festival so they look at her. But here's the thing about the, th the rape allegations that Lambert gave to the, the police. One of the officers was not even there. He was out on his honeymoon and had, you know, show proof that he was at a hotel, everything about it. So that was bullshit. Seems like she's just trying to claw at everything. She also stated that also Lambert's lawyers presented correspondence between Lambert and Youngkin where they claimed to prove that Lambert had been involved in the murder and that Youngkin had asked her to lie for him, which comes back to the 29 questions. They also questioned whether or not Sho had been able to speak to her mother after her death with her throat cut. They alleged that Sho had actually written out the initials of her murders, which was Buck and Yonkin. Yonkin said B and Y, so she wrote it. Now she could speak, but she said they said it was hiding that. Of course, Buck denied these claims. Buck said that what happened was testified that Lambert had actually participated in the murder, that she had instructed Buck to wear the hair up and not to wear makeup or fingernail polish. Youngkin was later brought to the stand, and the sweatpants that had been alleged to be in his in the trial of 97 was produced. Youngkin was ordered to hold the sweatpants against his body, which were to show that too short for him, as well as being made a different fabric from the garment, entered into evidence of 1992 trial. A relative of Youngkin provided a poem written by Lambert in jail that described the murder crime scene expert also testified that no evidence show written any initials in her blood so there's no evidence of the blood written they try to prove that and other evidence discovered that the crime did not corroborate with Lambert's story and also during this time they had witnesses who said that during the, during the crime they actually saw two women at the same age leaving the place, which Youngkin was over six foot tall, and the two women were like about five, eight, five, nine, which would not put Youngkin there. Like I said, also at McDonald's, they also said they saw him there. But also what really brung the retrial in 97 was that her mom, Laura Shaw's mom, stated that and witness said they saw Lawrence Youngkin at the apartment the day of the murder. But maybe they were just saw somebody that looked similar to her, but that's why the retrial and she was released. So in August 1998, George Stengel announced his verdict. The same judge that was proceeding over the first trial stated that he would uphold the original guilty verdict against Lambert, that even if he believed the story, that would st he, they would still be guilty of first-degree murder as an accomplice. Federal judge Anthony Brody later upheld the verdict. Lambert attempted to appeal in 1998. Decision in 2003, to bring the case to the Supreme Court of the United States 
but was rejected both times. She exhausted all her pills in 2005. So little wonder then. So the Judge Stiegel's verdict was also different from George Denzel's. He decided to get Michelle setting out her thoughts in a lengthy, scratchy opinion paper. And Michelle would be wild and highly questionable, the mockery of the fence, and it's just a mess all around. Here's how here's how he counted some of the major points. This is his theory on it. The riverborn the riverborn where they found the shoe was rain filled, suggested prosecutors were hiding. Hidden was half rotted, and apparently they had been at the mercy of elements for several years. Police ignored it because it was obviously not the shoe they were looking for. Similar, a big a bag that defense argued was wrongfully overlooked was ignored because it was a stray trash bag and not relevant to the case at the time. Traditional photos that you know supported Michelle's story wouldn't have changed the outcome at all. So all that stuff, because she still said it, say that she was there, she said that they went in there, she wanted to talk to her, and that's when Tabitha started stabbing her, but when she left, that's when she ran into Lawrence Youngkin, where he told him, she, he, where he went in and told her to just go away and close the door, and that's when they killed Laura's show. So regarding the alleged swap sweatpants, the blood evidence single simply declared that it would be silly to try to such a ruse, that the size questionable could have easily been settled by having Michelle try them on, which she never did. A small amount of blood, experts said, would likely have determined deteriorated over time. Experts didn't argue with each other to the extent of Laura's wounds and the likelihood of her being able to name the killer. If nothing else, she may have been able to mouth the killer with her before dying. And her mother could have understood so kind of reading her lips. So it might not have been audible, but she could have read her lips. So there you go. Furthermore, Michelle alleged Gang rape by the Lampaster, which I'm going to get to. The Lampaster police was connected to a cover-up by the set, by, set up by police. The first officer on team, even though knew about uh, such a rape, could not have come up with an erratic plan to eliminate Matt Michelle. So they, she, that was nonsense. So federal judge Antibrody agreed with Stiegel and upheld his decision, but the damage had been done, and it wasn't. It wasn't just the show family, but it was Michelle's, you know, the show family destroyed their only daughter, get killed. But yeah, now since she exhausted all her appeals, she's not going anywhere. This is where. So if you want a breakdown of how everything went for Michelle Lambert, in 92, Ms. Lambert filed post-verdict motion claiming that her conviction was against the weight of the evidence. In 94, the physical findings of the crime scene, the testimony of trial, of the defendant and trial testimony of Hazel show the history of ill will between defendant and the victim and circumstantial evidence developed a at trial all led to the conclusion that the defendant was guilty of the murder of Laura show so 96 Lambert filed a lawsuit claiming here's about the claim that I'm not gonna say his name had attacked her six times during 94 when the guards and the official had followed her further that she was videotaped during a strip search he was convicted of aggravated, aggravated incident and assault and was sentenced to two years in prison. So actually, he, you know, his name was James Ecker, E-I-C-H-E. So he was sentenced and found guilty of this. So maybe she was right about that. Lambert, in 97, of course, Lambert was freed briefly 
when a federal judge ruled that Lambert was actually innocent. A federal appeals court overturned the ruling and Lambert was returned to prison. The court found that Lambert had brought her case to the federal court prematurely without exhausting her opportunities for appeal in Pennsylvania. 97. Lisa Lambert's appeal denied. 98. Conviction upheld Lambert's claim that she was framed by prosecutors was rejected. 98. Request for relief during appeal denied. In 2003, eight law enforcement officers declared a misconduct in Lambert's case. Nope. In 2005, appealed to Supreme Court. Supreme Court refused to hear the case. Incarcerated, so she was incarcerated in Clinton, New Jersey. Lambert has exhausted all her appeals. She will continue to serve her life in jail. 2007, the Lancaster judge was determined that civil lawsuit filed by state correctional institution Cameron Springs inmate Lisa Michelle against administrators at this facility for alleging failing to prevent her from being sexually abused by employees was scheduled by to be heard by a jury. 2007, the Pennsylvania state had decided to settle a lawsuit brought by a convicted killer, Laura Michelle, who claimed that she was sexually assaulted by guards at the Cameron Springs State Correctional Institute. The civil lawsuit had been placed on hold until Lambert had exhausted all her appeals in the criminal case. The 35000 she ended up getting. 35000 will go to pay for court costs, restitution, and if anything is left, that will go. By the way, she, she I failed to mention, when she was in jail, she gave birth to her daughter and her parents, so, you know, adopted her pretty much. So they will go to Lambert's parents, you know, the remaining, whatever's left after all that, with Lambert's parents, who is raising her daughter, her and Lawrence's daughter, which they're no longer together. So November 2017, Buck receives a new sentence and parole eligibility. Hear this. 2012 decision of the Supreme Court deemed life sentences for juvenile offenders is unconstitutional, which allows Buck to receive a hearing for a new sentence. The decision also came, made Buck eligible for parole. He, she was 17 at the time, still going to school. So Lancaster County judge ordered Buck's new sentence to be 28 years to life. Since Buck had already served 26, she became six years in jail at the time she was eligible for parole in 2020. Prosecutors argued Buck should have served at least 30 years before becoming eligible for parole, pointing at the crimes, devastation of shows, surviving family, and the community. Assistant District Attorney Susan Moyer, M-O-Y-E-R, also said Buck never expressed a remorse of what she did. So during the hearing, you know, Coach, they have the family members and everything. They want to know, Coach, of course, they want to be there to see what's going on with their daughter's murderer. Joe's mother read a statement at the hearing. Her statement was, Laura did a horrible, Laura died a horrible, uh, Laura did, died a horrible life for a reason I will never understand, she read. Why did you agree to come to our house that morning? She asked Buck. Buck testified the Monday for about, that Monday for about 15 minutes. When she, the judge asked about the crime, Buck said she can't imagine how Laura and her family feel about the resentencing, but she didn't say really nothing about the crime and about what she did and any remorse or nothing like that. But here we go, August 2019, Buck is granted parole. Yes, Tabitha Buck has got out of jail. The State Board of Probation, probation granted Buck's parole list and her earliest possible release date was December 21st. She is barred from residing in or traveling in Lancaster County, prohibited for 
con prohibited from contacting Shoh's family are required to make take psychiatric med psych psych you know, medicine um, um, psychiatric psychotic for medicine for her well-being and that was prescribed by a doctor as part of her terms and release buck whose name also appears as tabitha buck in the documents which that's her name of course over the the years since her arrest cannot reside travel like i already said that lancaster district attorney officer spokesman brett Harmon issued a following statement from district court Craig Seaman on Buck Pro. The, the resentence of juvenile murders has been one of the most difficult and gut-wrenching tasks we've ever had to handle. Our system told victims' families their case was over and in many, in many cases for decades. The courts ruled and we, and I'm going <laughs> slow down. The courts ruled and we followed the law, but that is no way diminishes the added emotion trauma this process causes those who have already suffered. Most of all, we must remember the innocent victims whose lives were taken have no ability to appeal or receive any liar sentence, which is the real victims of this. You know, so and what happened after this? So there you go. Like I said, Buck got released and, you know, Tabitha's released, going on with her life, you know, Lisa Michelle Lambert still in prison. Buck Lawrence Buck Lawrence Yunkin is out of jail. So what happened after? So there's some things changed. Anti because this started with the stalking. So what came out of this anti-stalking activism after that's where her mom Hazel became anti-stalking activism, which doing good things for her community. After her daughter's death in 1981, Hazel show started campaigning for stronger anti-stalking laws in Pennsylvania. Show's murder helped push forward anti-stalking laws, legislation, which new law signed in effect of June of 93. So they're really getting strict on that. So life marched on for the show's parents, Don Show and Hazel Whitehead now, who lost their only daughter on December 20th, 1991, but remains painfully unchanged. So they'll never get over it. Divorce from John Show, which I think maybe they were already divorced at the time, at the time of the murder, Whitehead. Now 60, remarried 10 years ago from this reading, so not too long. I think I don't. Have, I didn't get the date of that. She works at a local outlet store. She has stayed in some condition with you know. Oh, I'm just gonna leave that. Out. Despite the murder, it is the the spot of the happiest memories with her. So she still remember her daughter. She said that she would not consider leaving it. Whitehead feels her daughter's presence there. She said. When her television set and vacuum cleaner switched on by themselves on a light flicker. So she's always, it makes me, it makes you, I'm having trouble reading this, allergies, I guess. <laughs> it makes you more comfortable to think that she's nearby, she said. I know technically she's in heaven, but sometimes I think she's saying, hi, mom, I still, I'm still here and I'm watching out for you. So she retired from, you know, Mr. She retired from his job working at a farm machinery manufacturer a few years ago, but then got called back to work. So he's working now. He enjoys his grandchildren, but because they had kids after, thinks about the grandchildren that he will never have. He speaks to others about the, his lost loved ones and hosts annual candlelight services for them. To most people, he, will, he says he will always be simply Laura Show's father. And there you go. There's the murder of Laura Show. Hopefully my mushroom mouth and babbling through it didn't confuse you too much. 
but this is the first case that I actually say that I don't know. I don't, I'm, you know, all the evidence and the way she changed her story constantly definitely shows that Lisa Michelle Lambert did it, but it also shows that Lawrence Junkin and Tabitha Buck had played a big part of it. But you, you think maybe because of the dating they did and, you know, because she, Laura was going to say that Buck actually raped her and they weren't going to file charges. And at one point, Oh, and I failed to mention this, but the, the, Laura, Lisa Michelle actually attacked her one time when she was at work where she slammed her head against the door, slapped her around, and that's when her, right before that, the murder just happened. So with all that, maybe Youngkin actually told her, used that as an excuse why they want to get out of their picture before the sexual assault came up, and because Lisa Michelle Ambrose already is making accusations about wanting to kill her because during that incident, she says, if anything happened with my baby, I will kill you. She talked about cutting her throat and everything. So maybe he saw this opportunity to get rid of this. And what I would like to know is while this was all going on, what was the connection? Because Tabitha Buck just kind of showed up. It was always Laura Show, Lisa Michelle Lambert, and Lawrence Junkin. But Tabitha, maybe this was another woman that Lawrence Junkin was trying to hook up with. And they were trying to get Lisa Michelle out of the picture. So I would like to know. Here's what I'd like to know. I, I don't know how I would find this out. If anybody could find out, it would be amazing. But what was their connection when he got out of jail? Did they commute? Are they together now? Maybe. Makes me wonder. I'm not saying that Lisa Michelle did not do this, but I wonder if she actually played as big of a role as the state's thing she did. But either way, she's in. New Jersey jail right now, prison. She got transferred over there. And Youngkin's still living in Pennsylvania, Lancaster County. I don't know where Tabitha Buck's at right now, but they're out of jail. And the only big person who's out is Hazel Show and John Show, who lost their only daughter. Well, there you go. There's the, the story of the murder of Laura Show. Hopefully, you enjoyed me to tell this story. And I'm surprised I looked this up and I cannot find it on no podcast. I've seen some few independent podcasts who've done it and on a couple YouTube channels. Of course, Dateline did an hour, about an hour and a half show on it. If you want to go listen, watch that, you can. There's a more interview. I probably left some things out where they had in there. I try my best to do as much research as I can on these episodes. But if you like that, please go write and view. If you'd like me telling others to help me grow this thing so I'm not just my wife's getting tired of me. She likes the show, but she's wondering when am I going to make some money off of this. Something's going to come in. But I enjoy telling it. If I don't, I don't. I'm doing it for her. But if you do feel like you want to throw a couple bucks my way, as little as a dollar, you can go to Patreon. And hopefully pretty soon I'm going to start doing some, you know, extra bonus content there. And then also you can PayPal me at truckstopmurder.com at gmail. Truckstopmurder.com at gmail.com there you go that's at the paypal if you want to do that i'm also buy me a coffee cup of coffee or buy me a beer at that website and you can email me at truckstopmurder at gmail.com and also mainly if you don't do none of that stuff just write review me and wherever you listen to join my youtube channel i'm trying to get a thousand subscribers on there so i can go live on youtube at my different locations so once I'm there, I can interact with you people, with you fine young people, your folks. But I can't do that without a thousand subscribers. So please help me on that. Share with your friends. 
And there you go. Another story. Also, TikTok, don't forget, I'm going to start doing that. Right now, it's Gary Howard 6886, but I'm going to change it to Sceneries, Cemeteries, and Sites. If that's not taken, YouTube, join me there, Truck.Murder. And I have a Facebook page at Truck.Murder. Go and join me there. And as always, we'll listen in this story with, you know, sad for Lori Schultz family. But you know what? With these three idiots, like I always say, you can't fix stupid, but you can sure numb it with a 2 by 4 I'm out of here. Uh-huh.